Matthew, last verse, chapter 19 and into chapter 20. Uh, <clears throat> last time we were in Matthew, we were, that's two weeks ago, we looked at the answer to Peter's question to the Lord in, from verse 27 of chapter 19 where he asked, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee, what shall we have therefore? It reminds me a bit of Tony's message this morning. <laughs> and uh, surrendering and sacrificing all as we've given up our business, we've given up our life and we've followed you, what shall we receive? And so all, what follows is answering that question. And last time we looked at, for the 12 disciples, there will be a millennial blessings regeneration there'll also be recollection in the, their names are in the foundation of the new jerusalem and so be able to recall that for eternity there's also the refreshing and the regeneration that we looked at at that time with all the things promised in the old well we looked at some of the old things uh, promised in the old testament where the lord will will restore and bless even creation in the millennium and so there was a good time we'll, we looked at that for the 12 tribes will be measured blessings. We thought of that and their land that was given to them in the millennial reign of Christ. And for all true disciples, there'll be multiple blessings. And we're not going to do that one. But you, if you think through the New Testament, the blessings that are promised to Christians who have followed the Lord Jesus Christ, if we've forsaken all, what will come in eternity? And there'll be abundant reward, don't mind. <laughs> Just concentrate on the work of the Lord and let leave that's his business and what he gives. And that's what we're going to find tonight in chapter 20, verses 1 to 16. The Lord will reward. And so really, into chapter 20, it's just talking about furthering the thought. And there's the parable of the laborers. And we read, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man that is in a household who went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Sounds sort of miserly, doesn't it? A penny a day. <laughs> and he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said unto them, Go also into the vineyard. Whatever is right, I will give you. And they went their way. And again he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle and said unto them, Why stand ye here idle all day? Why stand ye here all the day idle? They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, Go ye into the vineyard, and whatever is right, and notice that, whatever is right, whatever is right. The first ones he agreed with, that there's a, there's a hint in the interpretation there. So when the evening was come, the Lord of the vineyard said unto the, his stewards, Call the laborers, give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. When they came, they were hired about eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man, saying, These last have wrought but one hour. And thou hast made them equal unto us, who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. And he answered one of them and said, Friend, 
I do thee no wrong, didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take what is thine, and go thy way, and I'll give unto this last even as unto thee. It is, is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine own evil, because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last, for many are called, but few are chosen. We, uh, that last verse, you, you hear that quoted at times, like a proverb, the last shall be first and the first last, but it's tied with this parable. <laughs> and about the rewarding, the good man rewarding the labourers. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this parable. And Lord, may we learn some lessons of it this evening. And Lord, our business is not to sum the reward, but to labour in the vineyard. And Lord, if we have laboured long and hard and in the heat, it's your business on the reward. We leave that up to you for, Lord, great is our reward just entering heaven, let alone being given a reward for faithful service. And thank you for being such a gracious, loving and merciful God to save our wretched souls that we might be able to live in heaven for eternity. But then to reward faithful service work you give us to do on top of that is abundant blessing bless us now as we consider these thoughts in jesus name amen (coughs) (coughs) the parable we go straight into this this parable would be very offensive to a unionist you think of it a union man would not equal pay for equal work. Uh, you hear that on the news today. And remember, this parable is a rebuke to Peter who asks what's in it for us. And what he's just saying, the Lord's saying, hey, don't think about that. I am a good man. I am a merciful God. I will give you what, what I believe to be right. And so this is not about salvation, but about rewards for service. Uh, So we see the recruiting of the laborers. It's on the back of the bulletin, the outline there, the recruiting of the laborers, verses 1 to 7. Those with the law on their side. They had a contract. I've got a contract. And uh, in in our day, you'll write up a contract for work uh, and, and what you get and so forth and so on, the hours. And so they had one. In verse 1, we see the clock for the kingdom of heaven is like a man that is a household who went out early in the morning to hire laborers in his vineyard. And it's probably just at daybreak that he goes out and finds these people to harvest his field. I've heard this interpreted from another point of view and, and, and concentrating on a, on a different, different emphasis here is, and the emphasis was that you're standing here idle all day. And that was the point of the message. And uh, that's true too. Some people are idle all day, the day of their life. And it comes to the end and they do a little laboring. Well, the Lord knows. And I pray that the the, the opportunity has been there that you have been able to be employed early in the morning. And uh, it's been said by those who rise early that you get the most done in the morning, don't you? You do get most done in the morning when it's cooler, especially in the summer, and able to do that. Sometimes in the winter, it's a bit hard to crack the ice and to get moving. 
I remember laboring for a brother Richard Hatfield on the roof roofs of the army at seven in the morning out at Latchford and that putting roofs on it's all steel it's all frozen it's all white everything's cold you can't hold the screws but it does warm up when the sun breaks on the on the roof with uh, others that were laboring there but early in the morning hear these people <clears throat> um, you think of this also in relation to Israel as far as God's oracles and principles and law and teaching and truth, they have been laboring for a, they had been laboring for a long time. From the time that God called Abraham right through, they had they had maintained the the truth of God's word. They had been um, <clears throat> stewards of the word of God, and so they had labored a long time. Then in comes the Gentiles in the church time. They could be proselyted in the Old Testament, but here they come. And they enjoy the blessings of the Lord Jesus. They enjoy the fruits. They're partaker of the root and of the root and its fatness. And uh, it doesn't seem fair that we've done it all the time. And here you just jump in on us and and get the blessings. You could think of it in that light too. And and so we have. But they've been set aside for a time. And the church has maintained the truth. Um, <clears throat> so there's the clock. We think of the clock. The time early in the morning. The contract. There were conditions in this contract that were reasonable. And when they had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Now, if, if a penny a day wasn't what was the going rate, they wouldn't have been employed. They could have gone to another vineyard. They could have chosen to go somewhere else. But this was apparently for the day, those days, a good condition. They wouldn't have agreed to it otherwise. And uh, they, they could have said to the farmer, well, you're... Your harvest is out there, it's ready to harvest, there's a storm coming, we're going somewhere else. And he would have offered them more, but they didn't argue the point here. So these are the ones with the law on their side. They had it written down. The Jews had the law on their side, didn't they? <laughs> they had it written down. And so their frustration and their anger at the Lord when he was offering love and grace and mercy to repentant sinners, to, to harlots, doesn't he know he's... This, this woman's a harlot? You know, uh, shouldn't he be keeping himself away from her? Uh, this little Zacchaeus, he went to be a friend of sinners? Well, the Lord can do that. But they had the law on their side. With those who had the Lord on their side, verses 3 to 7, we would notice there, and he went out about the third hour. Now, what, day, what time is the third hour of the day in the Jewish time frame? Nine o'clock. It's nine o'clock, nine a.m. in the morning. And saw others standing there idle in the marketplace. He said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, whatever is right. Now, they didn't write a contract. This is purely on the grace of the Lord and the goodness of the Lord, of this good master, that they're going to trust in his goodness. I'll give you. And they went their way. So there was no written contract, no law. <laughs> this is under grace. So <clears throat> we could say that these, if we liken this story to the day of our life that is from when we're born to when we die and serving for the Lord and we could say these are the toddlers called in their childhood um, the third hour think of anybody that started laboring for the Lord early in their life and went right through their life can you think of somebody did I hear sorry Spurgeon, 
how old was he when he started? He was a teen, late teens, wasn't it? 16. 16? I, I, I wrote down here um, Bob Jones Sr. He started at 8. He was preaching on a soapbox in town on a box, preaching the word of the Lord and laboured right through his life. But there are those that start early and labour right through life for the Lord, <clears throat> ministering for the Lord and uh, greatly used of the Lord too. Uh, Spurgeon passed away at about 70, 57, didn't he? He's 57 years old and laboured for those years. So he would have got 40 years in thereabouts labouring for the Lord. Then he went out and he found others in verse 5. About the sixth hour, what time of the day is it now? Midday. About the sixth hour. And then the ninth hour. What, day, what time is that? In the afternoon, mid-afternoon. That's a pretty good time to get employed and get a day's pay for it. And, and, and did likewise. And so let's say the second lot... The sixth hour, midday, uh, those that were called in their teens, those who were called to minister, can you think of anybody that was called in their teens to start ministering for the Lord? Have you known of some young people that have done that? Pastor Jacob. Oh, okay. <laughs> you were around in those days, weren't you? <laughs> in, in those early days, 19, yeah, went to Bible college, and Jill was... A year earlier, so she's the same age, actually, yeah. No, no, she's not a year older. Anyway, she, it was earlier, she went to Bible college, and at the, at the college start there, there was John Flack, Harold Davies, and Jill. And they're in a little shed in Pastor Rolly Smith's place on that, I know where the street is, <laughs> down there, that's where they're meeting, and then later on in another place, and then eventually in Rowan Street, where we went through Bible college in an old house, renovated house, pulled a wall out and sat 30 people in the lounge and kitchen area, I think it was. But uh, labouring for that time from the sixth hour. Then we get to the, the next group that were in the same verse, the ninth hour, three o'clock in the afternoon, we say the young adults and middle-aged folks and they were responsible to minister for that time. Can you think of some people that were called in that time to do the work of the Lord? We're putting a literal thing on this parable here. <laughs> Pastor McConnell, what age did you start? Well, I know you were preaching at Croydon. You were preaching at, up at Westburn and all around. I was 30 when I came to 38. There you go. <laughs> so at that age, he began to minister for the Lord. Uh, Pastor Vesley... It was somewhat like that for him too. You see, he didn't get saved till later. Not Pastor McConnell, I'm talking Pastor Vesley. He got saved later and ministered faithfully until he retired just the other year. Um, <clears throat> I think of, um, I've gotten written down here, uh, Pastor Wenham. He served for 43 years, but he's close to 90, so you start working that out. He, he was around that time too. He was a engineer designing dams for Sydney he got called into to ministry Pastor Wenham we, we, you see we think from where we are oh he's been in ministry all his life no he wasn't you ask him about the dams he designed for Sydney's water supply up there and John Ecom similar situation and called into ministry later um, so we have those in middle age 
three o'clock in the afternoon. Then we have in verse 6, and about the 11th hour. So what time of the day is it now? <laughs> Five o'clock in the afternoon. Now, if anyone would say, well, I want to join that crew. <laughs> for the pay you're getting for, the, for an hour's work, you get a day's pay. Eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said unto him, Why stand ye here idle all day? And I think that's a bit of, a bit of application of the message. Why stand ye here idle all day? What have you been doing for the rest, for the, all of your life? You're, you're at five o'clock in the afternoon. You know, the sun's about to set on your life. And what are you doing for the Lord? In, you know, there's varied and many ways we can serve the Lord. It's not just being a pastor, but we're picking on those this evening. Okay, now, put your thinking cap on. Do you, do you know of anybody that lay, uh, is labouring in their elderly years, started labouring for the Lord? Alex, Alex Elaholawati. <laughs> he started late in his life, and he's, he's going strong for his age. And others that have taken on in their retirement ministry. And so praise the Lord that the Lord calls these people to ministry. And these in their later life are usually self-supported missionaries, although they've been sent out and they need to be sent out through a local church and been sent out to minister for the Lord and they've got the qualification, they can speak the language, they've got the ability, and, and so they've gone. And these, they express the willingness to work if they were given the opportunity, each one of these. And notice the reply of those that were called in the 11th hour. When, why are you standing here idle all day? What was the reply? They said unto him, no man, has no man has hired us. There was not the opportunity in their earlier life. You see, if God comes knocking to your door when you're a young person or a teenager or in their 20s, or, that's, the op- that's the opportunity you need to be taken with the situation that allows you to be able to do that you see through life there are certain things we decide to do and if we've been if we've committed ourselves to certain things you've got to fulfill those things you can't just jump out and um, leave your family I know that Tony was talking about you know desert not deserting but (laughs) Ruth's looking at him now (laughs) deserting the family and, and going out to minister it, and he said, if the love you have for the Lord is not stronger than your love you have, let, let, if the love for the Lord is not stronger than that you, you have for everybody else, then your love for the Lord is not strong enough. That, that's what the emphasis was there this morning. And so go out and minister for the Lord as the Lord gives the opportunity. No man has hired us. No man has put us to work. No man has asked us to go down and go up and reap the harvest. So <clears throat> this day seems to be the span of human life. The point of the parable is revealed in verses 8 to 16, recompense for the laborers. So you have the recruiting of the laborers and now the recompense for the laborers. In verses 8 through to 12, so when the evening was come, the Lord of the vineyard said unto his stewards, call the laborers, give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. The first shall be last, and the last first. <laughs> and when they, they came they were, that were hired, about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. And so you can think with them. The, the other guys were hired early in the morning. 
Wow, <laughs> they've got a penny. We were promised a penny for a whole day. They did an hour's work. So already before they got to the, the pay, the ch ch check, not the checkout, the, where he's getting paid, <laughs> they were saying, I did eight times that. I'm going to get eight pennies. They're probably thinking that. <laughs> the good man's given these one that did an hour that much. The last are now first. They trusted the owner's generosity. No contract, nothing given. And if you liken it to the Jewish nation and the, the, the church, then you can say both are going to be rewarded well. The Jewish people are going to inherit the new earth, the church, the new Jerusalem, and there's abundant blessings for all to go round to minister to, to, to us for eternity. And uh, <clears throat> so the last are first, as in the, in the giving of the wages, and the first are now last in verses 10. Now when the first came, they supposed, see they already thought that, that they should have received more, and they likewise received every man a penny. Now when they had received it, they murmured against the good man. Uh, what they assumed, they get more than their legal agreed, illegally agreed amount. Instead, they got what they were promised. And what they accused there, the spirit was wrong. They had an envious heart. Hey, getting to heaven is blessing enough. You read in First Corinthians chapter 3 about the rewards, and I think it's the judgment seat of Christ that's speak, spoken about there. Gold, silver, and precious stones, and wood, hay, and stubble. But there are those that get into heaven, as it were, by the skin of their teeth. Yet as by fire, it reads in those verses. They get in and salvation is enjoyed for eternity. And praise God for that. You know, those that got saved later in life, they ought to praise God that they got saved. <laughs> that the Lord knocked on their heart's door before it was too late. And for those that get saved young, praise God, you've been saved from a life of sin. Now you've got an opportunity of life of service for the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't be jealous. It's the good Lord that we trust in to give the, to give the remuneration for that which has been given. And he doesn't have to give any anyway. <laughs> Is he not Lord of all? Is he not in charge? And verse 13 reads, reads this or tells us that. <clears throat> well, read verse 12, saying, These have wrought but one hour. Thou hast made them equal with us, who have borne the burden and heat of the day. But the, he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didn't, didst not thou agree with me for a penny? And so the owner and his governance here, he, he still called them friends, even though they'd accused him of such. I don't know that on Judgment Day or on the Bema Seat Judgment, would people be audacious enough to say, Lord, you've given me the wrong wrong thing, the wrong amount? It'd be thinking very worldly, wouldn't it? That, that, that if you did that standing before the Lord Almighty and you're in heaven already, I don't know if this is hinting at that or not. That was made them equal to us. Well, there is that fella that thought he's going to get in with the wrong no garments on, and um, cast him out, grab him, and throw him out. 
And there are those that say, Lord, Lord, they will. They do. The scriptures say, Lord, Lord, have we not done this and done that and done the other and cast out demons? And, and the Lord will say, I never knew you. So there is that, that, that audacity when a person has a well, yeah, I believe a resurrected body, an immortal body, that they, yeah, whether saved or lost, you know, there's, both are being given an eternal body, that they have that audacity to say that to the Lord. Uh, <clears throat> maybe it's through unbelief all their life they have the audacity, well, I can stand up and I can front God and I'll, I'll tell him, well, don't be like that. The judgment is issued. Here we're talking about believing people. So his governance, they bargain to get more than they were agreed to. Then we see his grace in verse 4, 14, sorry. Take what is thine and go thy way. I will give unto this last even as unto thee. They all got a good deal anyway. <laughs> the last got more than expected, but he, they didn't bargain. The owner dealt graciously, and his greatness is seen in verse 15. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? What is this saying about God? God is sovereign. He knows what he's doing. Leave the judgment to him. He's the judge, the jury, and the witness. And he'll give what he deems best, what he deems and knows to be true. And so the owner of the Lord is sovereign. He can do what he likes. Let's turn back to Romans chapter 9 and verse 14. <clears throat> Romans 9 and verse 14, we read, What shall we say there? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. We say to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. The scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose I've raised thee up, and I might, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. Thou wilt say then unto me, Why does he yet find fault? For who has resisted his will? Nay, but, O man, man, <laughs> who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing form, say to him that formed it, Why hast thou formed me thus? How dare you? <laughs> How dare you stand up and question God in what, he, what he's done? Hath, he not power, uh, hath not the pot of power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel to honour and another to dishonour? What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? And that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he hath afore prepared unto glory, even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Who art thou that repliest against God? And the potter and the clay is mentioned in Isaiah twenty nine sixteen, Isaiah forty nine, uh, forty five nine and sixty four eight, talking of the same subject. Praise God for his gracious goodness. And his greatness, that he has power to make this decision and made, made it honourably and favourably toward those that laboured only an hour. The good, his goodness, in verse 15, I'll do, it's, is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? 
Is thine eye evil because I am good? <laughs> Leave it to the Lord. The Lord is absolutely good. Good to all those that trust in him. In Romans 2.4, he is rich in goodness, grace and mercy. The observation in verse 16, so the last shall be first and the first last, for many are called but few are chosen. What is in us as humans? From, the, from our birth and from our young days, what do we all want to be? First. <laughs> we all want to be first. Me first. <laughs> from birth to the grave, me first. The bullies are me first people. <laughs> Don't we all like the chief seat? At the feast, as they did as adults, even in the early New Testament, Chorazin, the chief seat there, Moses' seat. Don't we all want the biggest piece of cake? Don't we all want to have the loudest applause at the sports day? <laughs> Don't we all have the green eye of envy, jealousy and covetousness? The point of the parable is, don't be among the first who become last. And don't seek that because it probably won't come. You see, we might even be able to cover it up in life, but we've still got the attitude in our heart. The Lord knows that. And we might be laboring all our life and come last. It's, it's like, you know, the, the rich man went to heaven and he thought he'd get a, a Porsche to drive around on the golden streets. There's no cars, I don't think, up there. But he, and, and he was given a Vols... Ah, let's... <laughs> <laughs> a mini, I don't know, a Tirana. <laughs> but the guy that was driving the Volkswagen round down here got the Porsche. He that shall be first shall be last. The point of the peril, don't be among those who seek to be first. Avoid falling, pray to work for wages spirit in spiritual matters. Work for wages spirit. Let the Lord deal with that. Don't fail to recognize God's sovereignty, his right to do as he pleases with all of us because we are his children. Remove yourself from envy as the disciples were flirting with it right here. What's in it for us? You see, answering Peter's question. You know, the, and, and, and we see that, that heart in Peter because when the Lord got onto Peter's case, Peter tried to deflect it a bit and, and, and Peter pointed over to John, well, what about this man? What's he going to get? Is he going to die like me too? And, and the Lord Jesus said to Peter then, he said, that's none of your business. <laughs> What's going to happen to him? And he didn't die as Peter. Remember that occasion? And so <clears throat> remove yourself from envy and don't try to, what's in it for me? I'm going to do this for me. And it's not for me. Labor for others. The servant heart of the Lord Jesus is our example in our Christian service. That should be the case in our service for him. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this parable. It's so down to earth. It's practical. Thank you, Lord, for calling people at all different ages. Some for serve for a long time, some for a short time. But in your hand is the decision for the reward. Thank you for salvation let alone the rewards for service. Lord, we 
are given health and good life and, uh, and, and things to labor with and to serve you with. And thank you for that. May we all put our hand to the plow as early as you call us to do the work you've got before us. And Lord, let us remain in the same calling and minister there to the people that know us so our testimony, where our testimony is seen and known and they can pay attention to the change that's wrought in our heart by the Lord Jesus. Minister for your glory, your praise, until you come to reward your servants. Let us be faithful. In Jesus' name, amen.